Welcome to another exciting episode of Late Night Cage Fight, the Nicolas Cage podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage film, rank them, battle over them, and in the end, have the definitive list of only the best Nick Cage films. While we are doing a battle between Nick Cage's Time to Kill and Wild at Heart, we also have a special guest with us, Matt. Hello, it's me, I'm Matt. Matt is a friend of ours, also from Ohio. We're all Ohio boys here. Matt is actually the original inspiration for Late Night Cage Fight. He is the one that kind of woke Steve and I up to the fact... Hashtag woke. woke, That Nick Cage is so amazing and has done some tremendous movies that we just didn't know about. And he personally showed us these movies. And it, it became it became such an event that we it, it was almost I would say at least a monthly event with its own name, Nick Cage Appreciation Night, where we would watch two to three in can in can two to three Nick Cage movies in a row, and uh, try to stay awake and sober through all of it. Right. So I, I, I think I was. Uh... I was drinking Smirnoff's uh, Triple Black and um, Southern Comfort at the time. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So before Nicolas Cage Appreciation Night, Matt, when did you first become a fan of Nick's? I was pretty young, I guess. I was watching him in, um, I think it's a movie called Wind Talkers or something. Or something, I really, yeah. And he was just kind of goofy. It was like a super serious movie, but he was just like kind of goofy. And uh, it wasn't boring anymore because it's just like all these regular adults being like hard military dudes and then Nicolas Cage being himself. And you're just like, wow. Kind of feel a little bit better about yourself, you know? See somebody be so ridiculous. But I guess it didn't really kick off until the first time I saw... uh, the Wicker Man. Oh yeah, that was one you really, you were really excited to show us. Was the Wicker Man? Yeah, I was so pumped to share it with you guys. And do you remember how disappointed was I was? Just, oh, because I had I had watched yeah. the original. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like so happy. I was just so happy. Yeah. Good day. <laughs> we're we're super pumped for the Wicker Man here. We we still of course have quite a few films before that one but uh, that's definitely one of Nick Cage's highlights so, right the reimagining yeah. of the Wicker it's, Man uh, yeah. I'm really into things that are just so worth your time because they're just really bad you know what I mean like it's hard to watch you know it's just absurd I'm into that absurdity everything's just crazy these days 
And it's nice to have some just absolutely nuts, wacko shit to just zone out to. There you go. And Cage is perfect for that. Have you have you seen any of his latest wacko, nut shit, insane movies like uh, Mandy or Color Out of Space? I did see Mandy, um, but I don't know what the second film you mentioned was. Color Out of Space. It's an H.P. Lovecraft. Sure, you probably like it. Yeah. (laughs) I imagine I would. I'm going to have to give that one a goog. You should, man. (laughs) And we also have, have a whole episode committed to that one, too. Tight. It was Steve's favorite. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Went back and his, watched it again. His absolute favorite genre. Couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough, which makes me really excited for Steve to talk about Wild at Heart. I really want to get his yeah, thoughts on that yeah. one. I'm excited for that, too. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for being with us here as a special guest cage fighter. Uh, of course, we'd like to have you around more often, so you're always welcome to be a part of the group. We are going to ask you... Uh, your opinion as well, but I get the feeling that this isn't really going to be much of a cage fight. You know, I don't want to jump the gun here, but uh, yeah, just right. there, there's quite a stark yeah. difference between these two movies in oh terms of uh, quality. Yeah. yeah, in just about every aspect. Uh, but before we get into the movies, let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some Nick Cage news. There's been some really big news that's dropped in the last three days, actually. Right now, they are filming a new movie starring Nicolas Cage called Willy's Wonderland. Have you guys heard about this? No, I have not. I have not. Dude, it's Nick Cage in what is basically a live-action Five Nights at Freddy's movie. What? I swear to you, that's what the story is. He's going to be, he, he's in an abandoned theme park or something, and he's fighting off killer animatronic creatures. So when's this come out? And can I pre-order tickets? Dude, I, would, I wish I could be on set right now. I just, I want to see the costumes or the, the um, special effects. I want to see what these things look like I want to see how many of them come out of his personal collection yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we gotta do this I already got the I already got them in my room <laughs> do you think do you think they just uh, got all the animatronics because Chuck E. Cheese's is going out of business they're like oh we could just snap those up real quick for that's what it is yeah, probably. Like, Nick dumped all of his money bucks. into it <laughs> He's yeah, like, and, this is and, a sure thing. Well, Realty wasn't doing too well for me. You know what the money is? Animatronics. <laughs> Chucky, what's wrong? Well, I was whacking, and I got my highest score ever, but there were no ticks in the machine. See, Chucky, that's why it's so, so very important to make sure you tuck guests before and during store operations. He's also, he's probably, he was probably a huge showbiz fan before Chuck E. Cheese. He was probably like, yeah. you know, the rock fire explosion. He was their biggest fan. That was the animatronic band that played mm-hmm. at Chuck E. Cheese before mm-hmm. they came in and and like the the evil uh, white slavers, as George Lucas would call them, came in and took over. <laughs> yeah, I'm super pumped. There was somebody on Reddit said that uh, he was disappointed in the title and that it should have been named Nine Nights at Nick's. 
<laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh, man. I like that. Yeah, me too. Will there be a, a game adaptation, though? Will there be a game adaptation? That's the thing. Cage has been in so many damn movies, and yet you can't play him in a video game yet, as far as I know. Right? The, uh, is there a Ghost Rider uh, video game? I know. G-Force. There is, there is a G-Force game. <laughs> yeah, that's wow, it. That's, I, he's like a hamster in that. Yeah. Right on. Okay, let's jump into Time to Kill. Time to Kill. Nice. 1989. Last year of the 80s. Last film for Nicolas Cage of the 80s and by God was it a doozy it's, it's difficult to find nowadays It is. we did watch it on YouTube thankfully somebody uploaded it in its entirety to YouTube but in order, it, it appears like in order for them to present the full movie uncut they actually had to chop in certain scenes from the Italian release it's very yeah. strange it's very strange um, there's, and there's yeah. just there's not a whole lot you can find about this movie. We know that it's Italian-made. Uh, it features a lot of it Italian actors in it speaking English. It's got kind of this uh, aimless, meandering plot. Uh, the music was done by Oscar-winning composer Ennio Morricone. Really famous classical composer. So it's like you hear this amazing music, but it's just kind of pathetic what that music is playing to it's it's sad yeah. you know if if i had to sum this up in one sentence i'd say that time to kill it's just like vampires kiss except instead of vampires nick cage stumbles around war-torn ethiopia mumbling i'm a leper i've got leprosy i'm a leper <laughs> it, it's also like a thousand times harder to watch than uh, vampires kiss yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't. I don't have a, a Nick list this time. So guys, don't hate me. We'll go through these movies though, and we'll talk about some of the cagey scenes. Yeah. But uh, I took but, a few. Uh, I took a few notes. Good. I really. I want your notes, Steve. I, probably. My, my probably, notes. Yeah. My notes are all chronological. So and I just sometimes I just write down random phrases. So I don't always remember exactly what I meant. That's cool. I'm just gonna read the the synopsis from IMDb, and then I'll let you. Then I want to talk about your notes, Steve. Okay. All right. It's 1936. The Italian army is invading Ethiopia. Lieutenant Silvestri, Nicholas Cage, suffers a toothache and decides to reach the nearest camp hospital. But the lorry, the truck, has an accident and stops near a rock. So Silvestri continues by walking. Wow, this is an off. This is a terribly written synopsis, by the way. Uh, on his way, he meets and rapes a wonderful young oh, Ethiopian. No. Oh, jeez, I didn't know you said yeah, that. I, it's in there. I, I really, we're gonna have to talk about it, and it pains me a lot. He also wounds uh, her. Just, I mean, I. Should we just let Steve go through it? Would that? No. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. I'd just like to say that on IMDb, the very 
first two plot keywords on the listing are interracial rape and rape and murder. God. Yeah. Do you think that was surprised? I didn't just go look and read that before I saw it. Yeah. Do you think Nick saw that in the script on the front page and was like, "I'll do it." Sorry, I I, I I interrupted you and you said the rapes part because I was gonna I was gonna mention as I finished this movie, my first mm-hmm. thought was like, "Oh, you know, this is kind of an interesting." Thirty years ago, and this is somewhat. I, it's it's an issue and it's being brought to light. I don't necessarily think they uh-huh. did a good job of making it better, but at least making it known that this kind of shit happens and that uh-huh. I don't think you're ever really supposed to feel good bad? for Nick, but I don't know that you're ever really supposed to feel bad for him either. That's the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but the the thing that that really tore me away from feeling like it was a progressive movie was when I read the the actual not the IMDb synopsis but the you know the synopsis on the back of the box, okay. which which clearly says he meets and has sex with a local. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and it, and it very much tape. yeah it very much sounded like, like it was a consensual, you know. Why don't I why, why don't I read the back of the VHS box then? I didn't okay. even think of that. Nicholas Cage Nicholas Cage delivers a powerful performance as Enrico, a young soldier stationed in Africa whose struggle to survive the consequences of a passionate crime ignites an obsessive search for rescue and redemption. A painful toothache becomes the catalyst that is so goddamn cheesy. Yes becomes the catalyst for a series of bizarre events when Enrico abandons his camp in search of a dentist, but finds instead a hidden oasis and sanctuary with an exotic young African woman. A brief moment of violent lust gives way to an unexpected bond of friendship, but their passionate encounter comes to an abrupt end when she is mortally wounded one night by one of his stray bullets. Yeah, because he's an idiot. Guilt-ridden, Enrico covers up his crime, only to be confronted with the chilling realization that she may have infected him with leprosy. Haunted by the threat of banishment, and fearful he may never be allowed to go home again, Enrico embarks upon a desperate odyssey, searching for the truth in her past and the fate of his future. So this is why I say IMDb's wrong. This is a love story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It definitely tried to make you feel that. <sighs> it, yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, after there after a, there he was has. A lot of that. I mean, the movie started off with what was it? Ernest Hemingway. Was that the dude that was hanging around with Nick the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ernest Hemingway. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I honestly, I didn't really know. I didn't know what was going on through uh-huh. the start. It was just everything kind of jumped in very abruptly. And what do you need to know, just, Steve? Nick Cage has a toothache. <laughs> Open your mouth. Wider. Is it going to hurt? <laughs> I didn't really understand the setting. I didn't know what was going on. It just get yeah. the fuck out of here. I thought he was. Okay, I thought so, he was draft dodging or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. He, this movie was originally an Italian novel, war novel, 
from, and I haven't even verified this. I get this from comments I'm reading on the YouTube movie and stuff. So I'm not exactly sure, but it makes sense if it was. It was a novel that, where all of these themes could definitely work in a novel much better than it did in, in a movie like this, I think. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, maybe it was a, a like a, a best-selling novel. And then um, yeah, you also have to realize this was an Italian production. So I believe it was it was meant for a, an Italian audience who is already familiar with this period in history, which was the second Italo-Ethiopian War is what it's known as. It's the lead in to World War II when um, Italy invaded Ethiopia and committed atrocities, as you can see. Yeah, and I, that was some of my challenge getting into it. It's just not really understanding the, mm. the history behind it very well. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I didn't quite get it. I didn't really know who was fighting who. You don't really get any action sequences like that, you know? Yeah, I wasn't even sure. Yeah, there didn't seem to be a war at all. I wasn't really sure why it was called Time to Kill, because, like, he, he doesn't kill anyone. <laughs> Can we just talk about how stupid his character is? <laughs> I mean, he's got this toothache, but he won't... He won't let the is it he won't let the dentist in his command deal with it. He wants to go see the the uh, yeah, the other dentist. But at some point in the movie, I decided this was actually the prequel to Bad Lieutenant. Me too. I mean, you've got the fucking iguanas. <laughs> there's, there's a scene. Which makes that line make sense. There's a scene where Nick Cage's character gives his cigarette to a lizard. It's a real lizard. And they, they leave the camera hanging on this. The interesting thing about it is that sequence was actually cut out of the movie in the UK version. I'm assuming for animal cruelty reasons. But what it, what is it about Italian movies and using real animals? Also, I remember the horses. There are dead horses in this movie. They probably didn't kill them for the movie, but there's no way that these are just models or, or something. It just reminds me of... Uh, you guys remember Cannibal Holocaust? I know Matt's seen oh, yeah. it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was super famous for the animal cruelty that they had in that, which was meant to make you question the, the human cruelty as well. I was just like, what, what is up with that? Why, why we got to hurt animals, guys? Not cool. All right, so Nick Cage has this toothache. He decides to go to... He first he goes to the construction site because there's supposed to be a doctor there, but apparently okay. the doctor's and out, and so this really thirsty boy comes up to him. <laughs> God, yeah, that, that guy looked, here. yeah, like really strange character. I kept wondering why he wished me good luck like that. I mean, all I had to do was stay on the path and I'd get there. He was a strange guy. Something about his face. His eyes. I, I honestly yeah. assumed that he was going to follow him off in the woods and there was going to be some romance thing there or, or something. Dude, there's, there's something missing yeah. with, with that part. Yeah, yeah there is. There he is. Was sure. That guy's like, hey, don't take the main road. It's pointless. Take my secret route. And, and Nick Cage is like, I, I, I won't even ask anyone else. I'll just go. I'll believe you and yeah. do it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they wandered off yeah. like together and then like they just kept smiling at each other. <laughs> yeah. And then Nick Cage, that's when uh eventually he runs into the female character, the Ethiopian woman, woman who is bathing in a pond of some kind. So in order and to I guess, ask her for help, he just starts taking off his clothing. Can you help yep. me? Can you help me? Hold on. You can't. Do you not understand English? Maybe if I take off my shirt. Yeah. I, I like how he sexually assaults her. And then when that's all done, he says to her, it'd be nice if we spoke the same language. Then we could have a conversation. Wouldn't that be great? It's too bad we can't get a little conversation going here. It's about all that's missing. Well, then he pays her. That's right. He pays her. Yeah, because she he realizes she doesn't understand, so that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't but then, he pay her in shorts? No, he paid her in... Um, he tried to give her money, and she didn't want that. Mm-hmm. He gave her his watch and something else. The Bible. The Bible. That's a big, yeah, oh, okay. big key point. Here's a Bible. Yeah. You can't read it, but here's a Bible. And then she seems to warm up to him. And so they stay the night in this cave. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, what was it? Was it a cougar? Hyena. So I want to point out one other thing from that transition, because I, I made a note of this. And I think it's funny because I made numerous notes of this throughout the movie and the evolution of it. But right. when he first meets her in the water, she has a, a single body wrap that she clearly wraps around herself. But yeah. at that night in the cave, she has stitched clothing. Uh-oh. Continuity issue, you think? No, I, mm. I, I think it's, it's intentional because throughout the entire movie, the clothing, the speech patterns, and everything of every black character evolved to more Western styles. Even the architecture slowly evolves into uh-huh. very Western styles. Okay. I have to think about that, but that's an interesting observation for sure. Well, what happens is they're attacked by you think it's a hyena, Sean? Yeah. Alright, and he shoots the hyena. Does he even hit the damn thing? No. He shoots at it, the bullet ricochets, and hits the girl that's sleeping. Are you sure it's a hyena? I thought it was the dog from Duck Hunt. And then, as far as we know, she just dies. And then he covers it up. He buries her body in a shallow grave. And then he returns He returns back to his command, right? They find him. He's, he wanders off again. He wanders off again. And he, sees, um, he sees a bunch of people walking through the forest. And he says, those are, uh, those are Marin's people. Right. They're all, like, dancing or something. In fact, it's her family. One is her dad. Yeah. One is her brother. And then it's just... Then, then you meet... Do you remember meeting the, the major? So Nick Cage's character is uh, trying to get furloughed. He's trying to get leave away from the command so he can go back to Italy and be with his wife. A furlough, you say? Yes, sir. And once I'm back in Italy, I assume I'll be discharged. And, uh... And this whole process, he's got his his buddy, Ernest Hemingway, second lieutenant. I just, I think that guy is probably a a good actor. He's probably super famous in Italy or something. But uh, 
God, I got so sick of seeing close-ups of his face and his mustache oh and watching him yeah, smoke. A lot of emphasis on smoking in these movies. So you have this major character who uh, reels them into drinking in his cabin. They find out he's running some kind of small-time black market out of his cabin. Come on! Have a seat! Smoke! <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Major. Cecilio ah. <laughs> Marsala! <laughs> Marsala with egg? What kind of shit is that? <laughs> and he takes them out for a night on the town and tricks them into trying to hook up with these local Ethiopian girls who are in white robes and then reveals to them, reveals to them that if they're wearing white robes, they have leprosy. That's the sign of leprosy in Ethiopia at this time. Stick no dick in a white turban. And then Nick Cage, he has this wound on his hand that's been hurting and hurting and doesn't seem to be healing at all. He gets it in his head oh, shit, this girl I was with had leprosy, and she must have given it to me. I, I honestly didn't know that you could get leprosy like that. <laughs> I don't think you can, really. Really? But I think that was part of the, I think that was part of the, the myth of it, though, is that people always assumed that you could get it from, like, direct contact. Well, but it's something that, it's, <laughs> much, it's, it's a lot more invasive. One of the absolutely stupidest scenes in this movie is when, is when Nick Cage goes to see the doctor. He has to get some kind of doctor stamp, I think, or a written note in order to be, ex- to be allowed to get on the ship. So he has to go see the doctor, and he's got his hand wrapped up, and he says, you know, he's like, I've got this friend. Let's say I've got this friend, right? And uh, he's, he happened to sleep with, you know, somebody who has leprosy. Um, you know, just, just, just hypothetically, like, could he get leprosy? What was it? Oh, the guy, the guy then insists. He's like, I have to see your hand. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me get, let me wash my hands or something. And then Nick Cage tries to murder the guy and can't even fucking land a shot to kill the dude. He's a vampire. <laughs> he shoots at the guy and then just takes off. Well, he's obviously not a very good shot if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> but why does he only try to shoot him once? <laughs> I it's like, why does he just he just gives up? I mean, he had no trouble covering up murdering that other woman. So why wouldn't he kill the dude, hide his body real quick if, if he can, and then get the stamp or get whatever the hell he needs to get on the boat? Because then when he gets to the ship, he finds that he gets on the ship early and one of the captains or whatever gets on is like, hey, hey, bro, bro, you can't be on here, man. What are you doing? You got to get in line. You got to show your papers, man. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, and, and you even think he's going to kill that guy, right? Didn't you? Didn't you think he was going to kill the, the captain of the, of the ship? For sure. It was so ridiculous. But once again, in a movie called Time to Kill... Nobody gets killed. Yeah, and how many times? It's not time. It's not time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then, you know, the real twist is he ends up, he thinks he's suffering from leprosy and experiencing all these symptoms, and he ends up being cared for by the father of the girl he killed. 
He in in his uh, tribal village, I guess. I guess this dude's the only one left. Maybe everyone else was murdered or 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 uh, fled the violence. But this guy's caring for Nick Cage because he remembers that this Italian lieutenant was there. Well, Nick Cage sees the Bible that he gave to his daughter, and he tells the guy, "Yeah, I, I killed your daughter. I'll show you where she is." He's like, "Oh, what? Show me!" And then he shows the guy where he buried her, and then the guy loses it, of course. He discovers his daughter's been murdered, and this is the guy who did it! And he just has this moment of fury, but then it just seems like he he's over it. You know, I thought that was kind of weird. Strange. I, I thought that there was going to be kind of this ironic conclusion where Nick Cage, his desire is to get back to Italy because he wants to be with his wife. So the irony would be he can't ever leave, and he's going to spend the rest of his days in this village in Ethiopia. I thought that would be kind of an interesting ending. Is that what happens? No. Well, this isn't Pocahontas. He gets his shit together and- That's right. It's not Pocahontas. <laughs> this is real life. Yeah. He makes his way. Well, he, he gets, he finds out from the woman's father that she didn't have leprosy, which is the one thing we really needed to know. And that, uh, I guess it was all just, a him deluding himself thinking he had this affliction and he makes it back to the ship and they get on and um, Ernest Hemingway's like oh man good to see you again uh. are you still there yeah that's exactly how it went what about what about him uh, stealing stealing the money from the major yeah that's what I was gonna say some of the other notes, uh, like I said, throughout the movie, it seemed like they constantly evolved with the uh, with the racial stereotypes and the uh, whitewashing of the entire Ethiopian culture um, from the beginning, where she obviously doesn't speak any English whatsoever. Yet, ironically, apparently the rest of her family is very fluent, which makes that beginning very interesting. Um, of course, after being raped, she slowly, you know shines up to him. The first thing he does when he meets her father in town was start screaming at him, who, who the fuck are you? And uh, as soon as he responds that he's a Christian, he's like, okay, I can move on then. <laughs> I honestly believe that, that they were the enemy, that they were there fighting like Ethiopian tribes or something, and, and that there was just a small faction of people that they had uh, I don't know, subjugated or something. Or maybe even slaves, I don't know. Well, I guess it was, it was Italy invading Ethiopia. So, so I guess that, that's yeah. accurate then. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. There were a bunch of like weird, because there was even a point, like one of the first early on, they show um, a bunch of people standing up on one of the cliff edge. And they even had like, both the kids were completely nude. Um... Well, I said throughout the whole movie, like the, the clothing, the language, everything. So yeah, they go out with the, the major, the first lieutenant, the second lieutenant. And I, I really want to reach for this, being the whole military family. But I don't understand ranks at this point, because they're all... They seem to answer to the major like he's a big deal. But then, as soon as he walks out of the room, they're super catty. Like, about him, and like, with each other. I don't feel like that, that happens. I don't know how I mean, big of a jump that is, but I mean, do, isn't isn't everybody like that with their boss? 
Yeah. I guess that's true. You do have that sometimes. Oh, wait. I did look it up, and you cannot... You cannot contract uh, leprosy from contact. It's typically a long-term, long-term contact with uh, somebody with leprosy, but uh, it's not a very contagious disease, and it's usually from uh, from mucus uh, secretions, usually from uh, sneezing or coughing. So uh, you know if. If he just wore a mask, you know, in this movie, then you wouldn't have to, have to worry about it. Yeah. Maybe they can recut the movie and just... Put everyone in mask. Just CG it in, you know. So, at one point, at one point, the, the, the major... So Cage tries to, tries to leave on the boat, and then he can't get a stamp. So, he slept in the woods... And then, how did he run into the major? That's, that's that's the part I don't remember. Well, well, the well before that, he um, wasn't he in a restaurant or something, and he he asked one of the people like, "Oh, I'm I'm looking for uh, a boat." Uh, I think it was because cause they had a boat because they were transporting supplies or something, and he had, he was basically just asking to be a stowaway. I forget what amount of money they asked, but it, they asked for like a shit ton of money. He's like. Can I just pay you uh, when I get back to Italy? Or like, fuck you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I forget how he meets up with the major, but I think he was asking him for a ride or something. And uh, and then he just gets out and is just like, oh, I'm just going to walk the rest of the way. And he just like goes into his bag and steals a bunch of money from him. So on the, while they're on the way out that road... I no. So before that, the, he meets up with the major that night, and they—I I don't know what happened because I looked away for a minute, and when I looked back, he's in bed with another woman, Cages, at the major's house before they went out in the truck together. And I have no idea what the hell happened, but I remember him waking up in a bed with another woman. I forgot about that. Wasn't that like a brothel? Yeah. They went to a brothel. Yeah. So I was thinking that Nick was still fucking around, even though he thinks he's a vampire or a leper. I mean, is is there a difference? Let's be real. Not really. And I know it was the whole time they were heading out in the truck, so they passed a group of monkeys and then a flipped truck. So I was really expecting both of those to be a precursor to, like, the tribe attack that was finally... The faded attack that was going to happen, where Nick busts out all of his killing moves, but nothing. We didn't get any of it. When 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 the time to kill occurs, I thought it was time, but it was definitely not time yet. Instead, it was time for Nick to steal a bunch of money, and mm-hmm. and the fancy major dude to say to fuck you and fuck off. Fuck you and fuck off. And then, and then the movie ends. Pretty much, pretty much. He did go into a, he did go into the village though, and uh, he he pulls out a bunch of weeds to start chasing a horse with. Because I don't really know what the plan with that was, but I'm I'm sure there was some value to it. 
and uh, also violated their uh, Fourth Amendment by just taking a house. Um, but at that point, the uh, the father character, his his clothes had had evolved all the way up to Jedi robes. He had full, <laughs> like fitted pants and and like the everything. So very well done. And then Cage Cage had actually started to de-evolve. Um, to the point where he was wearing ratty clothes and just more and more unkept throughout the whole thing. So that's where I started thinking it was it was going to be kind of like a like a Pocahontas kind of theme, where it was you know supposed to be the white man learning the native ways and you know and I thought that was going to be the moral of the story. The, this movie was actually uh, one of the many inspirations for the. The, the hit movie uh, James Cameron's uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Well, that's that's the only that's pretty much the end of my notes. The only other thing I, I didn't really know is how he got back to the troops and got back to, I mean, the number of people that he had pissed off, threatened, or everything, and and because well he At shot the, the doctor, he he threatened and blackmailed his boss. And he's walked out of his post numerous times, and he gets back, and everyone's like, "Fuck it, it's Cage. What are you gonna do?" At the end of the movie, didn't the narrator say that his like friend died or something? I I also made it yeah yeah there was something weird like that, and it also kind of made it sound like the boat never made it back because there was some like preemptuous. I didn't see him again after that, but then... Yeah, it was, was kind of just like, oh, okay. It, were we supposed to care about that character? <laughs> Matt, what do you think? It's just like a highly problematic film. I feel like they had, um, they had attempted to make it kind of like Cannibal Holocaust, to where at the end you can you can kind of look back through and be like, wow, this was like this told a story that um, the most brutal thing in nature is actually humankind, which is like I think what they were trying to tell in this story, but it was just the plot was just so thin, and now that I uh, you know now that I heard. Um, the review on the box itself, it just, you know, even deepens the problems that I have, especially with the with the rape scene, you know, um, and the and the fact I think Steve, you mentioned this earlier, uh, the fact that everybody kind of feels sorry for him, and they um, they they kind of like there's this all these scenes where they're treating him to drinks or food or or women, like. To cheer him up or something. Wait, and, like, and yeah, when yeah. you get all the way to the end and you find out like that he actually, it wasn't that she just accidentally died. He he put a cloth over her head and blew her fucking brains out. So yeah. it, it wasn't even something that was. I mean, it, there was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just confusing because it's like, okay, was this a. Uh, was this a good story about just how shitty people are? Because that's all I really got from it. And, like, good on you if that was your point, I guess. But I don't know what the point was. 
I just thought the most problematic part about the beginning scene was just that they go through with the rape scene and then afterwards it's almost just like oh yeah she's totally cool with this now this hor this horrible traumatic thing just happened to you but you know we're we're friends now it's cool we're in we're in love it's like right like protect me from the alligator uh Oh, Nick. I'm sorry. So did you guys say you liked it? <laughs> We're saving that for the cage fight, right? That's true. That's true. I mean, honestly, I know that uh, my stuff cut out for the last seven, eight minutes or so. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't really think that there's a whole lot more to be said about this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's even in the top five Nick Cage movies of the 80s that have rape scenes. Actually, I was going to challenge that at first, but I'm not, there might actually be more. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty say, interesting pattern. It was just like Cotton Club 2.0 for me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's high pra high praise. Thank you. <laughs> have, have you seen the Cotton Club, Matt? I have not. Am I missing out? No. That's. <laughs> Steve hasn't seen it either. That is one I still have yet to watch. <laughs> Sean hasn't seen it either. It's no. just me. I'm still getting caught up on season one. <laughs> Well, that's one to miss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> heard. So, well, shall heart. we jump to the to the nineties? Wild heart. at Heart, nineteen ninety comedy crime drama film, directed by the legendary David Lynch. He also wrote the screenplay. Uh, I just want to say that. I really, I haven't seen too many David Lynch films. I remember having his short films a long time ago and liking them. Um, I've seen Eraserhead. That was one that I watched and liked a lot. But as far as the, the, the other heavy hitters of his uh, filmography, like I've never seen Blue Velvet. I've never seen Lost Highway. I've never seen Inland Empire. And so I honestly going into this one, I had no idea what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be Lynchian. But I didn't quite know exactly what that meant. But of course, with the very first scene, you, you, you start to understand exactly how this movie's going to go. Crazy fucking bad boy trying to fuck your girl's mama. Uh-oh. Mariette just gave me this to kill you. After she said, Lulu, I'm not what I expected. So, what's the story? The movie follows Lula, played by Laura Dern, and her psychopathic mother, who goes crazy at the thought of Lula being with Sailor, 
Nicolas Cage, who just got out of jail. I love the Nick Cage movies where he just got out of jail. Those are great. He's so bad. Ignoring sailors' probation, they set out for California. Oh, like like Rumblefish. <laughs> However, <laughs> their mother hires a killer to hunt down Sailor. You kill Sailor. I am going to kill Sailor. You can be certain of that. Unaware of this, the two enjoy their journey and themselves being together until they witness a young woman dying after a car accident. A bad omen. That's interesting that that's in the storyline because I felt like that was an important scene, but I don't consider that, in, in, just in my memory of it, I don't consider it like that pivotal What's compared that? to the major story. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I so, really thought about it. What would you guys think? So, I mean, my, my, my first few notes from the movie, um, the first four lines on my, on my notepad here, it's uh-huh. fire, high school cage, fire. Marietta, uh-huh. metal death. At that point, metal I sent death? a metal death. At that point, I sent the text to the group at the five minute mark saying, what in the absolute fuck are you fucking me right now? This movie started off really fucking intense. On a high note, to say the least. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't seen a lot of Lynch's movies, but I I get the sense that his style is well suited to balancing the, the very kind of philosophical, tasteful, artsy, cinematic sequences with the very low, repulsive, vulgar, disgusting. And and I felt like the first scene was a great representation of that. I just felt Absolutely. it was very Lynchian. It starts out with that beautiful shot of the ceiling and pans down and everyone's looking nice and classy and clean and here we are, wherever we are, having a good time. And then you just have this guy come out of nowhere He's talking to Cage very aggressively. You're like, who is this dude? Are they friends? Ah, Lula's mama sent me. You're just trying to score with her in the bathroom. This is from Lula's mama. And then and then he starts trying to stab him. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what the hell's going on? And then Nick Cage, in the most brutal fashion, gives him probably one of the bloodiest concussions I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Before killing him. Yeah. Yeah. Why wasn't this one called A Time to Kill? This was The Time to Kill. (laughs) Yeah. It's a crazy movie. I don't know where you guys want to start with it. It's it's an interesting romance. It kind of reminded me of the movie True Romance, Mm -hmm. written by Mm -hmm. uh, Tarantino, I think, wrote that one. And may, it actually may have been inspired by this film because I, I don't know when it was made, but I think it was made a little later than 1990. But Nick Cage, you know, he just got out of jail and he's this Elvis Presley wannabe character mm-hmm. with a snakeskin jacket and they, lo- they love metal. Side note right. on the snakeskin jacket. I, I made a note of it as soon as he introduced it with the first line. Look like a clown in that stupid jacket. 
This is a snakeskin jacket, and for me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. <laughs> I was like, "This is Nick Cage improv." I looked it up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nick asked was if really? he could wear his snakeskin jacket. He wore it throughout the whole time, and then uh, at the end of filming, he gave it to the the little up. Oh yeah. 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 That's interesting. I wonder how much he paid for that snakeskin jacket. <laughs> Probably more than it was worth. Like thirty-five bucks. <laughs> yeah, let's see some of the other actors in it. I, I was really surprised by Laura Dern. I'd seen her in movies as a kid, and uh, I'd never seen her in, in, in a role like this as the sexualized young woman. Peanut, I'm thinking of breaking parole and taking you out to Santa California. Sailor, you look for that. I'd go the far end of the world for you, baby. You know I would. Rockin' good news. And probably the first time I saw her naked. A lot. There's there's a lot of nudity in this movie. Yeah. A lot of sex. Oh my god. I loved that scene. Was that the uh, the dude who loves Christmas? No, Uncle Pooch. Uncle Pooch was the one that, that raped me when I was 13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that. Well, Mama didn't know nothing about that one. But you remember, she also had this crazy uncle who was obsessed with Christmas. Yeah, Jingle Dale. Jingle Dale. Yep. Can I just say this? David Lynch. Jingle Dale gives this. Take cockroach in the anus. He gives this. (laughs) Yeah. One time, she found Dale. Putting one baked cockroach right on his anus. Hell, Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> he gives this master class on screenplay writing, and his thing is uh, transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. He believes that that's the key to creativity. And I think maybe there is something to it. I mean, I don't really, I'm not in the right to criticize David Lynch. Uh-huh. I just feel like his movies, when he's writing them, he just throws whatever the fuck he's feeling at that moment in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wonder like, where the hell some of this stuff comes from. Like the pink fairy. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz aspect of it as well. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> we gotta follow the yellow brick road, Santa. Well, that was all supposed to be her. I, I got the feeling that the whole movie was supposed to be based around her psychosis. Okay. Because everybody actually had there was the constant Wizard of Oz and stuff, the whole thing. Yeah. And, like, that was all, a lot of the backstories that were supposed to be people like that, too. You know, her Uncle Pooch didn't have a heart. Jingle uh-huh. Dave that didn't have a brain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I think you're on to something, Stevie. Yeah. Well, and even the well, the later on, right, there was the, the weird dude with the dog. My dog. Yeah. My dog, he don't bark. In fact, you imagined a dog that was barking, <laughs> and that wouldn't be my dog. He's a rocket you, scientist. You could imagine Toto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. This, this is a wild trip of a movie. I actually, I think it's one of my favorite Nick Cage movies right now. I did get a kick out of the uh, the mosh pit. Oh yeah, you get to see Cage Mosh, <laughs> and then take over, take over the Mosh Pit to a nice sound dog ballad.
Yeah, you get some Nick Cage singing in it. Oh, yeah. Willem Dafoe plays a pretty awesome character. Bobby Peru with some funny-looking teeth and an accent. And, uh... Oh, I really like Harry Dean Stanton. Plays Johnny Farragut. That guy's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Very good job. Yeah, it's a a great cast. I, I mean, basically, the story is they're trying to go to California, but Sailor who's with uh, Lula, right? He used to he used to work he was a driver for uh Santos. like her dad or something. Was it was it Santos? No, it was Santos's enemy, I think. The other guy. Not William Defoe. No. I didn't quite understand that dynamic, I'll be honest. I didn't understand why the, the hell movie. why why did she hate him so bad? Lula's mother just wanted him dead. And she goes to the extreme. She She's using her uh, sensuality to, to get Harry Dean Stanton to hunt him out. But then I guess she's impatient. So she calls Santos, who is, is like the dude you don't want to have to call because he's going to just kill everybody, I guess. But isn't she also going to do it his him way? too? She was... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, and then, uh... Mr. Reindeer. That's who you were talking about, right? Mr. Reindeer's the guy with the dog. I I think... I don't know. At that point, I really started losing track of who was who by by the point I got to that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I just... There were so many bizarre random scenes that happened all over the place that I just yeah I, I made note of like a bunch of pointless conversations or pointless scenes that yeah. I just didn't fucking get there was uh-huh. a fantastic scream track at some point in the movie where it was literally like somebody sitting with like one of those 90s like the the, the soundboards that we used to play around with literally okay. just had one scream and they just kept hitting the same screen it was supposed to be like the crowd <laughs> screaming at, at the mosh uh-huh. pit and it was just the same screen oh. track. And like at one point they were like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> no. There was the, the random scene thing. with uh, some old dude taking a dump with with a stripper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then another random scene, another completely random scene of some unknown black guy walking down the street with another weird dude just walking by making monkey sounds at him. Yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah. They go to New Orleans. Yeah. So we get some New Orleans in there. We did you remember there's the lady singing and uh, there's a close up of her singing for a good 10 15 seconds and it's obviously overdubbed. Her lips are not matching the music. Mm-hmm. Just like god, why is some of the stuff in there? And, and the weird voices too, right? The uh pigeon spread disease. <laughs> It's so weird that that uh, I don't know. I like it. It's yeah. just so unique. It just makes me smile because I have no idea what the hell these people were on. I mean, like this is a movie about sex and rock and roll and murder. But I, did you notice there was no drugs in it? Well, I, I and I mean yeah. that too. I, I wasn't sure if the fire because every time every time there was a scene with fire or cigarette lighting or it was typically yeah. with the cigarettes. The metal music yeah. would start. 
And it was uh-huh. almost like, and then you'd get like this really intense uh, visuals too. And I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be a symbol of drugs or something like that. That maybe the yeah, it was an artistic choice to use cigarettes, but we were implying, I don't know, cocaine, meth, whatever. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think of it in that way, as if uh, they took the drugs explicitly out, but then they're in there in a more symbolic way, metaphoric way. Yeah. I mean, how could you not have drugs in this whole thing with all these criminals and, you know, having sex all the time, metal music, like just some of the decisions of the characters? It's got to be. Well, that's what I thought for a while until it got near the end. Uh, the, it, was the, it was the roadside mosh pit that, that got me when they were driving down and she's like, I just can't fucking take it anymore. And she pulls over, they turn on the metal music and they just start like crashing yeah. on the side of the road. <laughs> It was at that point that I, I started thinking it was more about her trauma. And so every time she sees the fire, it reminds her of her dad getting murdered. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that yeah. sounds really good. Yeah. It's a movie about trauma. So in her mind, her mom is like that. But in reality, her mom maybe isn't quite a psycho. I, I assume that... I assume her mom is psycho. I mean, evidently her mom is the one that orchestrated the murder of her own husband. So uh-huh. I think she is nuts, but I think she's also like very, very clingy and attached. And I think that this girl has other issues, you know, parental issues of just, you know, yeah, because of that. And so the the disconnect of her of her mother, um, as well as the psychosis of her father being killed. It's just collapsing her entire mental state. But the trailer park was fucking awesome. Or whatever the fuck it was with when, when William Defoe showed up and all of the fatty yeah. strippers and the and the oh yeah and the, the magic the random magic after after the dude with the with the dogs the rocket scientist the other dude just starts to like close up magic tricks. <laughs> it's a wacky one. And then Ranger Rick, whatever the hell he was doing there, he looked like a like a local marshal or something. Yeah, so I guess we might as well just sum up the ending here. So Nick Cage and Lula, they're on the run. They've made it as far as Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yep. they're out of they're out of money. So Willem Dafoe. Bobby Peru, I think is his character's name, convinces Nick Cage to take part in a small-time robbery. And Nick Cage escapes the situation after Willem Dafoe gleefully murders the the bank people. <laughs> is that what it was, a bank? I think it was. I don't know. I don't know. But they were the most badass tellers ever. Yeah. They're dummies. Dummy. <laughs> okay. Why don't you step up here, hot shot? I'll slap that smile right off your face. <laughs> and he runs out hoping to kill Nick Cage, but there's 
there's Billy Badass the cop outside. You sons of bitches. And he shoots <laughs> Willem Dafoe. And Willem <laughs> Dafoe's like, oh, I've been shot. Oh, I've been shot again. Oh, I've been <laughs> shot again. I might as well just blow my head off with my own shotgun. Well, you tripped. <laughs> <laughs> Is that he tripped? Yeah, he tripped. He found it out like, and yeah. the shotgun just went off in his face because that happens sometimes. But it, looks, it just looks so deliberate to me. Like, yeah, might as well it, just do this. They the the reason for that is because of the American release, I guess. Um, because that scene being so graphic, they had to kind of haze it over and cut it out to keep it away from an X rating in the states. Steve, are you messing with me? No, right seriously. Now? To keep it to keep it away from an X rating, they had to put haze and kind of cover that scene up a little bit because watching him actually blow his own head off was yeah. the the line for an X rating in the in the US. Wow. Yeah. Nick Cage goes back to jail, and while he's in jail, he starts to get the hots for one of the other cops and gets out, and then they get together and finds out that that cop he's with can't have a baby. So they got to steal a baby. Look for that. (laughs) It's all connected. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the the wrong movie. Oh, that's right. Were you guys amused at all when Laura Dern finds out she's pregnant? She's like, oh, I'm I'm pregnant. Oh, my God. It's just like, yeah, you think you've been having sex this whole movie. (laughs) Every other scene. Nick was excited. He lit a second one, one for him and one for the baby. So he gets out six years later, meets up with her and his boy, and she just can't handle it. She's having the breakdown which helps support Steve's psychosis theory mm-hmm. and uh, decides that it is probably just best if he leaves now and uh, says his goodbyes and walks away. And as he walks away, he's surrounded by an, uh, a mob of uh, thugs. <laughs> yeah, 90s kids. He's, he's surrounded by a gang who then invite him in to become the leader of the gang. Gone in 60 and seconds. <laughs> I actually, I wrote, when I saw the gang walk up to him, I wrote, gone in 60 seconds, prequel. I was, I was trying to tie it into Rumblefish. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, no, the, actually what happens is he's met by a fairy, the nice fairy, who reveals to him that Love is all that matters. And he shouldn't deny love when it's there. And so he decides to run back after Lula and be with her. Right? And that's the ending right there, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. What a crazy movie. If a lot of people love each other, the world be a better place. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. You want to fuck like a bunny? <laughs> oh, man. Fuck me. Fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. What, why does every Nicolas Cage movie have some form of sexual assault in it? Every, every single one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it, was it just Nick Cage or was it just the times where... Yeah, it was just their culture yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. 
Did you know that uh, David Lynch actually only directed the first uh, six episodes of Twin Peaks season two because he was making this movie? <laughs> no. Yeah. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. This almost seems like an extension of that universe because it's so wacky and shit. And just like kind of uh, melodramatic. It's, it's almost like a soap opera in a way, which is kind of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It wasn't what I expected. Definitely intense at times. Makes you feel uneasy. But then some of the intense parts also kind of uh, roll over into, like you said, melodrama or even mm -hmm. black comedy. I can't help but laugh. Especially when he was telling her, he was telling Lola the story about the other girl that he grabbed her by the pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was good times. Good times. I feel like this is a movie that really deserves the... Um, the DVD extras to be watched to understand the sure. behind the scenes mm -hmm. how he was cast what shooting was like but you know all these things being said about the continuity the seeming randomness of it all with David Lynch though that's his script that's his mind mm -hmm. there's a sort of uh, cohesiveness to it despite that yeah Compared to something like Time to Kill, where it just looks like they shot some scenes and slapped them together and tried to make a coherent story. So I, I do have and a question. They, they did not. I do have a question. There was one <laughs> line in the movie um, yeah. that reminded me of another movie, and it was William Dafoe when, when he was saying, it'd be, it'd be like taking candy from a fucking baby. <laughs> and for some reason, and I thought it was Boondock Saints, but I went back and I looked, and it was definitely not Boondock Saints. And I can't uh -huh. think of another movie of William Defoe that has that type of character. But it, huh. it just Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, he's played a lot of roles. Yeah, it w it was Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. I'm, I'm the only one that played that game. Was it the uh, Death Note live action? Oh, dear God, no. We don't we don't we don't speak of that film. That I get I get PTSD about that. That movie was like personally offensive to me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll go first. If you are making me choose between Time to Kill and Wild at Heart, it's going to be Wild at Heart for me. I will pay money to never have to watch Time to Kill again. I even have it on VHS on my desk right now, and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I have Nick Cage's beautiful blue eyes staring at me. An innocent man who just went over the edge of reason. And I mm. just want to... I'm all for time to kill. Steve. I'm serious. <laughs> Steve. Wild at Heart had no continuity. That, I had no idea what was going on in that movie at any point in time. It was, a, it was a random scenes. And the intensity was done in the beginning of the movie. And the first five minutes, it had peaked. 
Everything else after that was just senseless, ridiculous garbage. So there was no, there was no level. There was no way for Cage to exceed the movie, because his biggest Cage out was three minutes into the movie. All right. He had no room to grow. But throughout Time to Kill, there was a healthy progression. I don't say that I agree with the the overall plot of the movie, but it had a concise point. And, I, and, and a good direction and Nick's character evolved into a level of insanity that at the end you were just like the fuck did I just watch? That's what we expect out of a Nick Cage movie. It has to you're last saying, the entirety. You're saying Time to Kill kept your attention yeah. better than Wild at Heart? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, because I wanted to know what was going to happen next. I wanted to know. But Uh Wild at Heart, I already knew. I already knew it was just going to be fucking nuts. (laughs) There was no surprise. The only surprise was just, wait, did I hear that right? What? But time to kill, built. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point, Steve. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I, while I don't think that Time to Kill's story was good, I did find it a little easier to follow than Wild at Heart. Um, I feel like I liked Wild at Heart more just from an artistic standpoint and just subject matter, but I feel like I need to give it a another watch because because it had that David Lynch insanity I there were parts of it where I didn't really know what was actually happening and uh, but I do think that what was happening in Wild at Heart was more interesting than what was going on in uh, Time to Kill See, I still, I think, I still think Time to Kill had an interesting direction to it. The, the goal was truly to understand or possibly normalize the idea that this is the kind of things that go on. This is how these cultures work. This is how the subjugation of these cultures work, and and the way that they built upon that throughout, starting with, you know, the rape in a forest to entire communities that that you know respect and abide by the laws of the white man it was it was truly well captured in that movie i didn't think it was well captured in that movie yeah. I, I think yeah, it I was touched upon disagree no but i i didn't get that no. i felt <laughs> that time to kill was it was too wayward wasn't able to hone in on the message it was uh, meant to communicate yeah it kind of it kind of missed the point it missed the point yeah clearly the box art the box art proves that <laughs> they, they didn't understand it at the time either yeah. but i'm saying looking at this you know 30 years later i think that i think honestly if this was given if this same script was put in a new director's hand that mm-hmm. this could actually be a good movie if it was produced today I agree with that. Yeah. But I think if you take the script at Wild at Heart, it's going to be the same fucking thing. <laughs> and I think no, but truly, I think nobody could do Wild at Heart except for Nick Cage. 
I think that I think that Time to Kill could be done by a different artist, by a different actor, and still be good. Could I could I say something bold? I think that Cage was better in Time to Kill than he was in Wild at Heart. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Hot take. Hot take. I feel like his his uh, character was more dynamic in Time to Kill. Okay. I mean, yeah, you could argue he was kind of a one-note Elvis Presley type character mm-hmm. in uh, Wild at Heart. And he was a rewash character. He was basically the same as Raising Arizona. I don't know. No. I just felt like there were so many cagey moments yeah. in Wild at Heart. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that that uh, scene where he points at Lula's mom, and they even show it again in a flashback. That is just iconic Perfect. cage. Yeah. yeah. That's still the first five minutes. Well, we brought it back. Plus, the singing, it's got a musical aspect to it. I, you know, I would love if Time to Kill were a musical, but they decided (laughs) not to go that route. You got to go to Broadway for that. Disney wouldn't give them the rights. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I respect it, Steve. I'm glad that that we're having some conflict here. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, I just, I cannot watch Time to Kill again. It was that draining for me to get through but I I, you know I hadn't considered some of those ideas I I just I know that I definitely want to watch Wild at Heart again and I actually want to watch it again because of what you said Steve and seeing it through uh, the trauma Mm -hmm. of Laura Dern's character Mm -hmm. might give me a, a new take on it but yeah all right so Steve Steve chose time to kill Sean, what do you think? I think I've got to go wild at heart. I uh, I do think that, you know, Cage's performance was, you know, more dynamic in Time to Kill, but if you took out Cage from that movie, there that movie is nothing else. <laughs> it, it's kind of a, a curiosity of a film. <laughs> I mean, really, the only reason anybody's going to watch that movie is if they're doing what we're doing (laughs) just going through every nick cage movie i like Uh, how you put that yeah the other reason i think this movie's hard to find is because of the naked kids in it the naked (laughs) ethiopian kids running around yeah and it's so strange that you can't find it for a a wide release anywhere but it's on youtube (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of weird right google's like that's that's fine but you know you can't use that that song yeah, actually, uh, I, for, I think it, I think it was the uh, the Valley Girl uh, episode when we uploaded it to YouTube. We got a copyright strike for Johnny. Are you queer? Oh, did we? Yeah, but you know, you can show naked kids. It's cool. And you know, who doesn't love Johnny as a queer boy? That's a hit song. That's true. It's still popular. You know, their their music algorithms are on point, but they're child penis algorithms are just still still catching up yeah <laughs> oh man matt what do you think um wild at heart it's um it's one of the first cage movies that i saw that i really liked his performance in honestly i was already uh, more familiar i'd say with uh david lynch than nicholas cage when i first started watching uh, his films 
So, yeah, I just I also really like the narrative of this um, this movie and how um, it's uh, there's so many different characters that are archetypal. Um, then uh, they're just the same through the whole movie. They even have like little sayings that they use, and um, it's just a, I just like that. It's a neat little way to tell a story, you know. It's one you've heard before. I just really like uh, David Lynch's zany attitude about things, and um, like you said, I think his his mindset plays well with Nicolas Cage. Like he's able to make him look real good. You know what I mean? Time to Kill, I feel like... Like you said, I don't think I'd ever want to watch that again. You know, like like Irreversible or something. It's like... Man. You know, even if there's a good point to this movie, it's just like I don't want to witness this ever again. Like... You know what I mean? Yeah. Right on. So, I'm sorry, Steve. The winner of tonight's battle is... Wild at heart. Don't be too upset, Steve. I thought you made some good points. That was a harder that was that was a harder cage fight than I thought. I am actually really excited to see Wild at Heart go up against Raising Arizona because I was getting I was getting major flashbacks from Ra- Raising Arizona just because of the structure. I mean, completely different genres of film, but I mean, yeah, totally. All right. So tonight's winner is Wild at Heart. I'll mark that down on our K-Geography checklist. The next two movies we're going to be watching are Firebirds and Zandalee. I have seen neither of these films. You guys? No. Nope. Don't know anything. I know nothing about them. Excellent. All I know about Firebirds is it's uh, like a Top Gun type movie, I think. Zandalee, I have no idea, other than he has a a mustache in it. In a cage. (laughs) Which is a good sign, right? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this was uh, another wonderful, spirited cage conversation um congratulations to our winner tonight wild at heart you did a great job <laughs> you nailed it you nailed it you did so good and thanks Matt for being with us tonight yeah, yeah thanks thanks for having me yeah it was a pleasure having you we got a website now oh yeah we have a new website check it out Nick Cage fight com yeah so make sure you uh, get on there and see what that's all about a great way to catch our latest podcasts and it's also really cool how it's organized so you can check out our, our special episodes as well um, also we're planning a new series called cageless we're going to begin to explore films without cage in them just as a way to branch out and uh, yeah just kind of chat about some other movies outside of the cage verse so that'll be kind of cool to see uh, how that comes together. Hope to have the next or the first episode of Cageless out next month. So stay tuned for that as well. We'll keep trucking through and getting, um, you know, the rest of Cage's movies knocked out. Yeah, having a blast with that. You know, I think we actually only have two more cage fights and then we're going to have the actual battle. And for the cage fight itself, 
um, the season finale. You know, we want to make that as fun as possible. So make sure you check that one out and uh, see what that's all about, because I do want to change it up a little bit from last time and make it uh, even more exciting and uh, may the best cage movie win. So, yeah, we're also on Twitter now. We have a few episodes up on YouTube, uh, Spotify. You can find us on almost all of the podcast streaming services out there. And, yeah, we thank you all for listening to Late Night Cage Fight. Stay tuned for more. Later. Look for that.